Today's guest, Michael Allen Tate, is an executive coach and author of The White Shirt, Find Your Peaceful and Life-Giving Career at Any Stage of the Game. Michael shares the secrets of how to bypass the stack of resumes on every hiring manager's desk and how to navigate career change while keeping your marriage healthy. The Legendary Marriage Podcast begins now. If you're feeling more like roommates than soulmates, it's time for the Legendary Marriage Podcast. Every couple wants to have a great marriage, but the trials and challenges of life pull us in different directions. So we talk with amazing couples who share their stories and incredible experts who share their wisdom about building a life together. And at the end of every show, we give you a conversation starter so you and your spouse can build more intimacy and connection in your marriage by having conversations that matter. Welcome to the show. This is episode hey. 139. We're your host, Danielle and Justin Williams. Yeah. All hey, right. You know what? It's back to school. Like this week, our kids go back to school. And for most most uh, most of the legendary couples in our groups and everything, uh, kids are going back this, this week where, and next. Is this where we admit that we're elated? Or uh, I don't think it's admit. I think we should all just celebrate. So like give a whoop uh, <laughs> shout out in the middle of your car or if you're vacuuming or whatever right now, because, oh. you know, it's good. We're going to miss those sweet little faces, but they we, need it's, to learn. It's purely because, yeah, it's purely because we want them to learn and grow and everything. It's not because we just want them out of our hair. No, they definitely need some brain stimulation. I sense some like oatmeal like substance seeping the into their brain. of sass. Oh, the sass. The sass. I'm done oh with the gosh. I'm done with the summer sass. Is that a real thing? Summer sass? Summer sass, I think so. Do people our age use the word sass? Hey, you know, it's back <laughs> to school time and it's the perfect time to join our tribe. Yeah, turn over a new leaf. If you want access to, you know, amazing coaching on a weekly basis. Yep resources like we just posted some date night resources if you want an awesome community of people that are working on their marriage just like you then hit up legendarymarriage.com slash tribe to check it out yeah also we have just something really cool that we've just launched and that is seven secrets to a legendary marriage yep so if you want a free know, resource if you want to know the seven free secrets to did i say free it's free, yeah. 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 Did I say three? I don't know. Seven secrets for a legendary <laughs> marriage. You can find it at legendarymarriage.com slash seven secrets. Not to be confused with three. Yeah. No. Hey, and uh, we mentioned earlier, uh, shout out in the free community on Facebook. We are growing like crazy. Yeah, it's awesome. And uh, some just fantastic conversations happening there. We talk about the podcast and life and... You know, Selfie Saturday is a thread that's going crazy this morning. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we've got, uh, where we got? We've got Costco. We've got Color Runs. We've got people at the beach, all kinds of fun stuff. All right. So last announcement, don't forget to follow and like us on Instagram and Facebook because we're always putting great stuff out there. All right. We want to check out, speaking of great stuff, we've got Michael Allen Tate on the show today. Oh, Michael. Oh. you, if you do not want to miss the first 10 minutes of this conversation, oh because honestly, I want to say in the past year, I don't think I've laughed as hard as I did yeah. interviewing Michael Allen. Yeah. So you definitely... And, d- and he's brilliant and has just some great perspective on career search and navigating it in the middle of marriage because... 
Man, a career transition, it, it it's a big thing. Yeah, it can affect your family big yeah. time, you and your family. But just know I did have to edit out about two minutes of you and I cackling. <laughs> so that is... No, don't start it again. I'm not <laughs> editing this. All right, let's get to our conversation with Michael Allen Tate. We have Michael Allen Tate on the show today. He is an author, an executive coach, and he has been doing it for over 25 years. Um, he's uh, taught the info. He's wrote the book, and I'm sure he's probably bought the t-shirt too. And he's on his way to the 30-year club when it comes oh. to being married. Oh my goodness. I know. We are so excited to have Michael Allen Tate on the show today to share about career shifts. I know yeah. some of us feel like we might not be so happy in the current career. Honey, are you happy in your current career? I I I love my current career. Yes, of being my partner. I, oh, that? And being oh, a well, co-host a on the story. podcast. That's a different story. All right, Michael, Alan Tate, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Justin and Danielle. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's great to meet you, man. All right. So we have to know, like, so you've got all this experience with uh -huh. coaching and you've been married for quite a while. I want to know, like, were you always about the career thing when you were a kid? Like, did you have your own business or, you know, something like that when you were no. little? No. Uh, well, I worked since I was 12 years old. I guess my first job, I, maybe I was always kind of a serial entrepreneur, because my buddy and I had a job cleaning up the cemetery in my community, the, where the graves were. And so uh, one day we thought we were making like two bucks an hour going, so this is no good. And they, all around were these clay pots that they put around to flowers in. They were throw, we used to throw them in the woods. And I said, I bet we could sell those. So we took them to the florist and started selling pots back to the florist and making all this money. Then the guy that runs the funeral i mean the yeah the cemetery found out and cut out our profit center we quit so oh my gosh that's so, so wow always, you, they weren't they weren't urns were they michael they weren't urns you weren't throwing them into the woods uh, no we no we weren't doing urns <laughs> this is a this is an old community cemetery they didn't even have urns yeah we just had flower pots you know okay that's really interesting how did you get into a job of cleaning up the cemetery because i feel like as a little kid i would want nothing to do oh. with being in a cemetery that sounds like a horror moving waiting to happen oh no it, i don't know we just we were just always looking for things to do and make money so we could you know buy stuff and uh so a friend of ours just ran it and we were talking to him he said hey won't you come and take care of it for me and we did it and had fun. I mean, occasionally, you know, great. We had fallen. The graves would cave in when you'd walk across them. Okay, and, uh, this just uh, took a dark turn. Michael, what are you? This is horrible. Why yeah, was this fun? You fell into graves. Well, well, it was. You know, in case you're 12 years old, you're having a black. And so we're. My buddy fell into a grave one time, and he was trying to get out. <laughs> and the lady next was next door visiting her dear departed husband. Oh my gosh. She freaked out. So <laughs> that's, that's sorry. I didn't mean to okay, go. Okay, Michael, did you think, home. did you think we were going to talk about that today? When you came on the show? Uh, well, well, Danielle, I thought you might, but uh, <laughs> after hearing your other podcast. Oh, you thought she may go there. She, I might have to talk yeah. about falling into graves. Oh, I'm just going to prepare God. myself. 
Anyway, okay. so that's I had not thought about that for years. That's that's oh, I hope you don't have any nightmares today. I hope I don't have any nightmares <laughs> tonight. Um, okay, so Michael, at yeah. a young age, you're yeah. up the grave site. <laughs> and did you have college aspirations of like you know starting your own career or like how did that play out? No, uh, I had some. Uh, uh, my grandfather was an entrepreneur and some other people were, but I didn't really think about it. I didn't even know why I was going to college. I just went because I wanted to finish. I was the first one in my family to go and finish college. And so I, I liked psychology. I liked the language. So I just followed it. And I liked the language of business. And that's kind of the way. But I knew I would finish college because I wanted to do something. Yeah. But really no clarity. So I'm uh, like teaching what I most need to learn here about careers. So. Isn't that so true about college now? I feel like I don't know if college is going to be a thing that goes into the future because so many people just throw it away. I don't even know. Oh, no. In 10 years, it'll be a, such a different program. I don't know that college as we know it today will exist in 15 years. I really don't. Woohoo! We can repurpose those college funds. That's right. I mean, That's it'll, right. It'll, still, it'll be lifelong learning. It'll be learning the way we learn. But my son is doesn't have a college degree, and he's in charge of training for like Ascension Hospitals out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. He just, you know, he's had he studied technology, studied project management, mm-hmm. and the degree doesn't seem to matter as much as it did. He just keeps going to school, you know, and learning along the way rather than taking the four years. But you know. Anyway. Well, like there's so many apps now or like memberships that you can just be a part of or podcasts that you can subscribe like to. Like ours. Like ours. But I mean, like <laughs> there's even like Harvard professors and stuff like that where oh you God. can like download all their lectures mm-hmm. and things like that. And you're like, why do I have to pay when I could listen to that on a podcast? I don't know. So when kids get out in college, I know this is something that you definitely speak to, but like when you were out on your own after you've graduated from college, what was kind of your first um, experience with getting into the working world? Uh, well, I, I worked for UPS and put myself through school working from three in the morning to 10 loading trucks because I didn't want to end with a, I had no debt when I finished. So that was my point. That was my oh. kind of my purpose there. Awesome. So I worked for UPS for a while and then I uh, <clears throat> had a, I actually had an accident and a a really bad uh, car accident and made me kind of rethink my life and what was I going to do. And actually, there was a guy at UPS, Connie Parsons. He was my first manager. And one day he sat down with me before I had my accident and he said, Mike, are you going to push packages for the rest of your life? Mm. And I looked at him. I said, well, Connie, are you? And he said, no, I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to law school. And I think you need to think about something else. Wow. And so, yeah, I mean, that one guy just sat down on the dock one day. It just, and you know, that's. He saw something in you and yeah, called you forth. Called me out. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, I had those kind of people kind of along the way that have just helped me that way. So, uh, and that's how I, then I went to, that's when I went to seminary I, um, in, in Louisville, Kentucky, mm. the Southern Baptist Seminary. And my 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 claim to fame is I didn't pay much attention in seminary, and I'm kind of recovering Baptist now. And uh, but I went to seminary and I, and I ran churches for a while. I was a church administrator and an adult education guy uh, for for quite a few years. 
And, uh, and then I went through a divorce, my first divorce, and mm-hmm. the church suggested that was a good time for a career change. And it was. It kind of led, led me to here. It's a real conservative Baptist church, you know. Yeah. And, you know, that's just what it was back in those days. So did you have like a did you have like a moment where you like questioned your faith in that time when, you know, this life that you built up around you of God and of faith and working for the church is just like they ask you to leave? Well, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it was really just uh, it was. Yeah, yeah, I did. I questioned everything about, you know, and now I'm sure I'm going straight to hell because (laughs) You know, I'm a, I'm a minister now. I'm going to walk away from it. Or, you know, you think about stuff like that. Yeah. And it, it wasn't like they forced me out, but it was just pretty obvious, you know, it was time to go. And yeah. uh, but so when that happened, so I left, uh, when I left the church, then, then that, that like the next week, my wife said, it's probably a good time for us to get a divorce. So I had like step jab one, jab two. Uh-huh. And then the third one was I went to a career advisor. This was my calling, a crisis that turned into a calling. So uh, I went to a career counselor. He gave me a couple of tests and he said, you should be an HR director and uh, because you can't be in the ministry anymore. And so he sent out like 500 resumes and I got one response. Okay. One response. And I'm going, you know, hitting the gut third time. What is, I said, what's going on? Sounds like the kind of numbers I get when I send out. <laughs> well, hopefully it was one yeah. good, was it a good response? Oh, no. no. It was awful. No, they interviewed like 10 minutes and it was over because that wasn't what I was supposed to do. But the point of all that was at that time when that happened to me, I said to myself, I'm going to fix this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make sure nobody has to go through this kind of stuff before with somebody, a joker like this guy. And uh, so that's when I decided I was going to get in career advising because I was kind of good at it from my history and church and all those kind of things. Mm, and so yeah. I, I, that's, that was when I say my crisis turned into a calling. That's really what it happened. Wow. Okay. You said he was a joker. Now I'm curious <laughs> yeah. what makes you said like, so obviously he was lacking in some department that you, <laughs> that you, that you, uh, um, sometimes you just don't know what you don't know. Well, yeah. and then, what but about? you said you had a natural ability, like what sort of things did you notice in yourself that you're like, Hey, I think I have a natural ability. I could kind of do this. Oh, it, uh, people would come to me just about direction in their life all my life, and I've just always been able to help them sort through it and not even knowing what I'm doing. But uh, when I said joker, what I meant was what the reason I didn't get that job was not because of me. It was because he, he pointed to the world's worst way of finding a job, which is using a resume. Mm. Yeah. It, it, it works 15% of the time. It works. It fails. It fails. 85% of the time it doesn't work. Yeah. And, he, you know, we're being brainwashed that there's people believe there's actually a job hunting system. If you put your resume in, it goes around and falls out. That's like the biggest lie from Indeed and all these places that you see. You know, it all happens um, by making the assumption that there is no job hunting system. There's simply a, a table in every company, every organization, every Monday morning, the guys and the gals sit down and say, we got this big problem coming. We got this big opportunity. Do you know anybody? They turn to each other because they don't want to go through HR. Mm-hmm. They don't want to go through. Big recruiter. Yeah. Th- so they just ask. And so you got to figure out a way to get in that conversation there. And that's what I teach in my book, the white shirt. And oh, how that works. Oh, 
so no, you know what, when you sent out those 500 resumes, I bet you, you actually had to like send them and walk them around and put stamps on them. And- oh, yep. Yeah. I mean, they mail, these were mailed, these were mailed, but it's the same thing online. It doesn't matter. It's just, you know, uh, assuming there is a system that actually works is the biggest mistake everyone makes in job search. Yeah. Well, and, and, and like, uh, so I've done enough of this on the job searching side <laughs> to know like right. there's the, the HRIS systems and the, right. the, all of those things. It, it really is stacked against you. Yeah. Like there, it, it's, you know, they'll put a position and there. Some of the positions don't even really exist. Like right. a lot of them that get posted Right. You're just testing the waters to see, to budget for a year from now or two years from now. And mm-hmm. so, so it's, it's a numbers game, mm-hmm. but, but, the, <laughs> but nobody wins. You had this moment where you were asked to leave the ministry and you got a divorce. And so how did you break through if the 500 resumes didn't work? Like, what did you do from there? Uh <clears throat> Well, kind of another miracle happened. Uh, these things happened to me. I, I was on a a plane, and uh, there was a guy I sat down next to, and we got to talk, and he said, what do you do? And I told him I used to be in the ministry, and I was kind of kind of wondering now what to do. And he said, well, would you like for me to help you? You know, you're going, yeah, get your billfold out. And he said, no, I wanna, I, I've want to. i been with Dale Carnegie most of my life, and I now have my own company where I do training seminars. And you seem like you're the kind of guy that could do that. And so he literally took me under his wing and put me out uh, doing seminars. I was introduced at – I did a lot of uh, seminars like at Chambers of Commerce. And one, I was introduced as a professional seminar giver. And <laughs> Professional seminar giver guy. Yeah, that was, it was here, here. I remember this guy said, here's Mike, hometown boy, made it big. He's a professional seminar giver. He's going to give us a seminar today. So, and You're so like, I, look, I, I want to put that on my business card. <laughs> so that's how I got. Yeah, I mean, really, God stepped down and sent this guy Jim. That's what happened. There's no other explanation for that. Well, you he speak- helped me get in that business, and that was the step. Yeah. You're speaking to something that that I think is so important, and it's mentoring, yeah. like for for all of us to to have to be be open and not just open, but also looking for opportunities to reach out to other people and to to share something with them to, to say, "Hey, I'm a chapter or two ahead of where you're at." Yep. If you if you want, I'd love to show you the way I took. Yeah. And and I'm just like that's. So far in your story, that's happened twice. Yep. And I just, I think that's really And I beautiful. think there was probably for the guy in the plane, there was, yeah. there was a gift in there and learning for him too, when he was mentoring you. Yeah. I feel like some people, you know, you hear the, uh, you want to have an open hand or you want to have a closed hand. Like if you have right. an open hand, you're giving, you're building it into other people and you're also open to receiving. But if it's closed you know, it's closed both ways. Um, I just love the idea of like when he's giving and pouring into you, I'm sure he's getting back and exponentially too. He is, but, and he was also very, uh, uh, he's probably the best coach I've ever been around because he said, I'm going to help you, Mike, but here's my part and here's your part. My part is I'm going to teach you to do the seminar. Your part is you're going to have to go at it and sell the seminar. Yeah. 
He said, and I'm going to send you very little information about it. I'm going to send you a little bit, but you have to go sell it. And I'm going to tell you how to sell it. But I can't do that for you because if you're going to be a consultant, everybody, anybody can do a seminar, but consultants have to be able to sell. And I got to see if you can do that. And when it was all said and done, he said he had tried to help about 20 other people. And I was the only one that forwarded his direction. I memorized the three-hour seminar. I can still say it. Yeah. because he said that's how to do it and that's how i did it so uh but he was uh yeah it was amazing times uh i've had people like that all the time step in my life and so oh i hope i can do goodness. that for others yeah okay well, and i think the lesson there is is also like be on the lookout for when somebody is reaching out to you yeah. to, to take a step toward them uh-huh. you you've got to do your part and I know, I know I can look back at times with, with mentors I've had over the years where I've, I've kind of, I've not done that. <laughs> like yeah. mentors and coaches that I've worked with over the years where I've not like done my part and. And then you miss out. Yeah. Yeah. That even goes back to the, the way you do a job search, you know, is uh, I have this quote in my book, kind of the driver of my book. And it says, ask for a job and you'll get advice, ask for advice and you'll get a job. As for a promotion, you'll get advice. As for advice, you'll get a promotion. So that is the secret to life. Yeah. And that is the secret to finding a job uh, with this process in my book, you know, finding your life-giving career. And you simply put together a one-page plan that summarizes who you are and what you, uh, what, where you are in your life and the skills you have and actually some organizations you'd like to work for and you go and share it with friends and never, ever, ever ask for a job opening or anybody that's hiring. Mm. And they will lead you to the guy sitting at the table saying, we have an opportunity, we have a problem. Yep. That's how it works. You, that's how, that's how, and everybody say, you know, I'll have people, well, I just kind of fell into my job. Well, you, you did because you fell into this natural approach of asking people for help and accepting it. You know, like you were saying, Justin. So I like the, I, what I'm hearing too, is like, be curious as uh-huh. to how you can serve them. Yep. Uh-huh. And then when you start serving them, it's obviously like they'll see the value and then they want to reciprocate. It's just a natural kind of a give and take thing. Well, it's networking, right? Yep. It's kind of the foundation of networking. It's, it's farming, not hunting. Yeah, and it, but it's networking and giving people a, an easy way to help you because you most people think networking is asking people for job openings and advice. They're not about saying, I have a plan. First, when you say, I have a career plan a lot to share with you, people drop the phone. <laughs> like, you have a what? Do I want to hire somebody who has a plan? You know, don't, if you're starting a business, you want to start with a brochure or a plan. A resume, you know, a plan, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come on. And um, uh, so, and you make, it's so much fun. You make friends and they help you and you'll find a job at half the time it takes to uh, find it any other way. And, you know, 80% of the people out there are sick of their jobs and wish they could change. Right now, you see those statistics all the time. And, uh, so, and you, you think you, people are generally more dissatisfied across the board where they would just say like 80% are dissatisfied, like they're like woke to it? Or do you think generally like 
people just have horrible jobs and horrible bosses. It's like, is no. working really that bad? Is it, or is, is it something? Or did else? it used to be better? I feel like it used to be like, I don't know. Did 80% of people used to be unhappy with their jobs? I don't know. Well, uh, one of my favorite quotes is from Alfred E. Newman of Mad Magazine. And he said, most people don't know what they want, but they're pretty sure they don't have it. Yeah. And I think that's what it is. You know, people, uh, uh, people complain about the cubicle, but it's not the cubicle. It, it's clarity. If you know what you want, I was in a big, I used to work for a large consulting firm. And I, about every three or four years, I changed kind of what I do, my career, where I'm headed. It's just a natural cycle. Most people go through four to five years. And so I got kind of sick of the job and burned out. And I wrote a plan and I shared it with a couple of people. And what happened in about three months, they created a position in the company with the plan idea I had shared with them so so I you know I just tell people people sit and complain and stay dissatisfied when all they need to do is you know so I say don't complain come plan you know put together a plan and people will help you I mean they will that's so cool now okay so I'm wondering yeah was your wife at one of these seminars where you were like a seminar giver man or like how did you meet your lovely wife yeah, she was a seminar giver groupie. No, no, she wasn't. <laughs> you, you people no. out there, you didn't know that existed, did you? It's oh, a I'm thing. sure it exists. I'm sure, yeah. No, no, I met my wife at, at church. We were part of a singles group, and I met her there, and we had the coolest wedding. Uh, we have, you know, children on both sides, uh, and uh, at the wedding, you know, they have a unity candle at a wedding, You know, mm-hmm. some some do. And so, uh, you know, the tradition is you have the unity candle, which represents God, and you've got your candles over here. So we had all the kids' candles around. We had our candles, and I said, we're not blowing any of them out. Our message is God is the center, but our job is to keep each other's light burning and mm-hmm. support each other. So that's kind of our whole philosophy of being uh, our marriage, and it's the best uh, I never thought about legendary. I don't think it is, but I think it's about the best thing I've ever been a part of. Well, that's pretty legend. That's pretty, that's pretty legendary. I yeah. want, I love how you're saying like you didn't blow out the individual yeah. candles yeah. Yeah. because I feel like that's a trap that yeah. a lot of couples can fall into, especially with, like you said, you're, you know, your background as a pastor, you're in the church community, this idea of like, this oneness or like yeah. you die to yourself and you know now you become one and like i feel like people get so wrapped up sometimes yeah. and yeah. we've fallen into this like and early in our marriage is you fall into this like we have to become one and then you kind of lose the sense of who yeah. the individual people are and yeah. you know bless our hearts but as as leaders in the church i think we've we've our theology around marriage and what oneness and intimacy and yeah. and submitting and loving and all those things i i think we've kind of maybe just Overstepped. maybe we've just been a little <laughs> off base there um yeah so. well it's yeah it, it changes throughout life so anyway yeah. the uh, <clears throat> so that uh yeah, and so we so last year uh, on my birthday, I went to Alaska and, and fly fish for a king salmon, and my wife's going to Italy next year by herself with her friends, and you know so we but but you know that's because uh, we all need our our lives and uh, to support each other and that sort of thing and you know I, I and I would tell you that's 
my first marriage, I didn't have a clue. It's, it was, I mean, I didn't, I didn't even know what I didn't even know. Yeah. I didn't know how to listen. I didn't know how to support. I just, uh, I was all wrapped up in my job at the church. You know, mm-hmm. I, yeah, you know how that is. Like uh, you got to work for God 24 hours a day. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that church work was a job. I thought it was more than that. And I just ignored my family and that's why I lost it. So, yeah. uh, and I know it now, but man, it's hard to see it when you're sitting in the middle of it. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. I mean, that's, uh, we go back to 2000, we talk about this all the time, but we go back to 2005 and that's where I was in a lot of ways. Yeah. My entire identity was wrapped up in working yep. in the church and, and what it was. And when that ended, I was just lost. I mean, I was, yeah. it was, it was a, it was a career transition that turned into a career crisis that turned into a financial crisis that turned into a relational crisis. That was really an identity crisis that, you know, and it yeah. was just, I came on un, unspun. Yeah. Did wow. you ever think about this? We've kind of been asked to leave two churches in our history. Was it only two? <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Yeah. We've, we've, we're doing something right. We've got a lot to say about a lot of things. Um, okay, so Michael, so we weren't technically asked. Like there was no letter. There was like a boot stamp on my booty. I think that was like the ask to leave. Yeah. But um, well, just okay. remember, Jesus had the most trouble in his life with professional religious leaders. Yes, and I, thank I you. Well-meaning, well-meaning. Bless their hearts. To borrow a phrase from your neck of the woods. <laughs> so that's yeah, the third time you said that i know making me feel at home with my mother when you said you're from birmingham alabama we're i just like, naturally start like you just, uh, you just slip right into it you think you're paula dean all of a well, sudden well it's funny because like i'll be talking to i'll be talking to a coach friend who's yeah. from london and all of a sudden we'll be having a conversation she's like are you mocking me and i'm like what <gasps> oh no. no 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 this is it's just it's just like i just kind of fall into the like, did you did you use an accent with her no i just started naturally falling into a little bit a little bit more structured <laughs> kind of way of speaking about things oh please honey uh, that's gotta be like offensive in some way i'm sure hey there it's danielle and justin we'll get back to this week's show in just a moment but we are super excited to share a brand new opportunity for you to invest in in your marriage. I mean, you've got a good life, great kids, a nice job, a nice house, but you find yourself stuck in the roommate zone. Dun, dun, dun. You know the roommate zone, right? Oh yeah. It's that place where you're wrapped up in the business of life and the busyness and missing real intimacy and connection. It's a lousy place to be. And eventually it leads to a crisis. And the truth is isolation, that's the enemy. Every couple struggles sometimes, and we all need the coaching, resources, and community to come around and support us. Now, we realize not everyone can afford personal coaching or counseling, and so we wanted to make it super easy for everyone to be able to invest consistently in their marriage and get the coaching and the resources and the support they need and have some fun along the way. Of course, that's why we've created Legendary Marriage Tribe. You can get transformational life coaching, awesome online training and resources, and of course, a powerful community that will support and encourage you. So if you're ready to transform your marriage and your family forever, find out more over at legendarymarriage.com slash tribe. Now, back to the show. Michael, I want to pick your brain on a few things because since you are this expert with all these years of experience, I want to know, like, 
you said there's 80% of people out there that are not happy with their job. And whether they are politely asked to leave or the locks are changed or (laughs) they make a decision that, you know, they want to pursue a new opportunity or a new career. I know you have some thoughts on how to do that, like in a less stressful kind of a situation, because it can really take a toll on your marriage, your family. Look back at episode uh, 126 with, with Travis Albritton talking about like his, he was on a job search and his, his wife comes home and he says, oh yeah, I took a job. We're start packing. We have to be in, you know, halfway across the country at, a, yeah. at the end of the week. Yeah, that's uh, not, that is the <laughs> most stressful way to do it, probably. Yeah. Uh, and when I was, uh, when I used to work in, I think I used to work in outplacement where companies downsized and all that. And I, and I would meet with uh, people who were let go. Congratulations, you're fired. Here's Mike. And I would take oh. them and take care of them. But then yeah. I'd, meet with their, I'd go with their spouses. I meet with them and their spouses. We, t- we would talk about their roles, what really? not to say, what not to ask. He, for the spouses not to ask every day, have you had an interview? You know, how's the job search going? You just need to, you know, really love on your spouse during that time and not ask these questions. And so we, uh, so I've been a part of all that with uh, couples going through because there's, you know, that's when so many divorces happen. During the because men, when men, I was working all with men during that time when I did that. Yeah. I mean, when they lose that identity, you know, you just uh, you don't know what to do, and uh, you take it out on your um, your spouse and uh, all those kind of things. But okay, uh, I'm gonna play well, double. We I as have... men are so wildly insecure to begin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> super weak egos. Right. Okay, I'm gonna play devil's advocate here. Okay. So when you just said like you were working mostly with men. So you brought them and then their wife in and you had this conversation and you say to the wife, don't ask them like how many resumes did you put out or did you get any interviews or all this stuff? Um, That like makes me go crazy. Like, of course I want to ask you. Can you you. say crazy again like that? (laughs) Crazy. It does make me go crazy. So here's my (laughs) question. Do you inform the... Well, in this case, it was the husband to like overly communicate with the wife so they don't have to like, I want to say nag because (sighs) I can definitely fall into that kind of a situation. Like, did you do it? Did you do it? Did you do it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. When are you going to do it? Yeah. Yeah. We we talked about each other's role and what would work and they made requests of each other, you know, because when you're frustrated or that kind of situation, you can just stay frustrated. You can quit or walk away or you can make a request. And I always talk about, you know, what do you need from you? It's like when I work with new leaders come in companies, we have them sit and make requests of all their team members. And so it's the same sort of thing. You open up communication so we all are clear in our role because you're just doing, your personality is driving you to do these things you do. So let's get out of personality into purpose and mm-hmm. and uh, give you some structure on how to do it. Because people need structure. They don't if you hadn't been through yeah. it, you didn't know what to do. You're just doing what you're caring, Danielle, for for him and all that. So, uh, what about and you're caring for yourself, honestly? Yeah, too, yeah that's where it's I'm like, going. I have two kids, and <laughs> yeah. we have bills to pay, and you know, oh, you have two kids. We have two yeah. kids. <laughs> um, no, but but like the other part of that because we we've been in that in that place. Yeah, like we've been in that place a couple times where it's like. <gasps> Yeah. And, um, you know, 
what do you, what do you tell people who are in that place? They're trying to find something like they're not, you know, they haven't won the lottery. They're not, they're not working as a hobby Um, about, about that transition time of, I mean, I guess the term is self-care. Like, how do you, because we, especially guys, we do have these fragile egos. We're, we're wildly insecure creatures. You could probably get pretty depressed and you know, that's happened to you before you battle with depression. And when you've, been at, see showed the door you've been falling into depression yeah. and yeah well you have to start with your health first during that time you know, it's the the first thing and uh you know uh i tell yeah I, uh, I don't and i don't work in that world anymore but what i used to have people actually i when I my my outplacement firm we were kind of high level and we had offices and secretaries for all the executives coming through and we even had a health club and we had a health coach and that you know we were really because you do the whole person you know you, you, you need to so yeah. i would say uh take care of yourself get exercise go take a class at a school start learning something Mm, that's start the, then to start the process, which is, you know, there's four different ways people decide on their careers, influences. First is parents. Men yeah. are three times as more likely to do their, uh, their career their father had and twice as likely as their mother. Girls are, are, are more likely to do about half that as far as the influence. But parents are the greatest influence on career choices. Really? Be aware that of that. fascinating to me. Yeah. Oh, it's, I feel it, like, is that still true? I feel like it was maybe more true, like, a while ago. Is it less true now, or is it still? Because, I mean, like, if your dad had a butcher shop, and then you were going to be a butcher, and then your kid was going to be a butcher, and then, yeah. you know, well, that kind of thing. Yeah, I'm not saying they directed, some parents try to, but no, I'm just saying the influence of the people you were around, your parents mm-hmm. and your family growing up, the first thing I have everyone do in the book is draw a family career tree. Mm. And from that, so you're thinking, well, that, and sure, it helps kids. I'm just saying, be aware that can influence you. Don't make that choice necessarily. And, uh, but I had a guy that was 64 years old, was a minister, retired, wanted to do something, didn't know what to do. We drew his family career tree. He had seven bankers in his background, his family. Guess what? He's now a community representative at a bank. Because he wow. saw that was in his career, and uh, so parents are first, and the seconds are peers. And you remember that in college, I became an accountant because my roommate was an accountant. Yeah, <laughs> or your professor, which is worse than a peer, is advising you what to do. They don't even have a job, and uh, <laughs> a real job. And your mom was a professor. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Justin's mom was uh, my professor in college. Yeah. Well, How I'm, weird. I'm, not, I'm saying they. I'm saying they have a job, but they don't generally have a lot of world experience. To advise yeah. people on career. Right, right, right. Yeah, and uh, the the one the worst one is profit, where people are just trying to you know chase money for a career. And the last one, of course, is the uh, the four P's is passion, or and and uh, people say passion. And passion to me is if you and I, we know the passion in the Bible, it's pain. The most mm-hmm. important, the most so fulfilling careers come from a a painful event or a problem or struggle in your life that you said, I'm going to take, I'm going to fix that. It's not joy. It's not, it, I mean, it is joyful, but it comes from that event. Everybody I know that has something that is meaningful in their life, their career had something to do with something to happen to them. And they said, yep. I want to do something about that. That's what passion is. Yeah. And that's why looking at your history is so important to come back and go, man, 
that was a moment. I had one guy, um, he was a CFO at a company that got outsourced, out, downsized. He came to me and we did a history of his life and his light, eyes lit up when he talked about being a florist when he was 16 years old, working in a floral shop. Guess what he does now? He owns a floral shop. He's a master florist. His wife does the books. Nice. Wow. You know, so anyway, that's just uh, taking time to sit and think about those things in your background that really are that God opened doors or God whispered. I always say yeah. that we all, when we were born, God whispered and we forgot what he wants us to do. We do, yeah. we do some Speak of that out. work. <laughs> we do some similar work in our, in our retreat where we, we call it story work, where it's like yeah. looking at the story of your life, like the highs, the lows, the points in between. Uh-huh. And like, what are the themes? What are the things that have been, what's God been trying to teach you yeah. here? What, yeah. like, what, what has it been leading so that you can start to co-author it? So you can go, oh, yeah. okay, here are things. Uh, like everybody in my family may have been an accountant. I really don't want to be an accountant, right. but I can learn something powerful there. Or you know what? I really do want to be an accountant. Yeah. It can be as specific or as or as thematic as as the the client needs I, it to I like, be. Yeah. I like what you're saying there too, is like if everybody in your family is an accountant and you don't want to be, you're like, but what is the natural tendency? Yeah. Like, okay, everybody is super organized and logical. Okay. Like I am super organized and logical. Like yeah. what else fits for a super organized and logical yeah. person that's not being an accountant? Yeah. So yeah. that could work too. And uh, uh, yeah. I, I always say that career should be spelled C-A-R-E-A-R because don't follow your heart and career, follow your ears. Your ears will always guide you to the words and the subjects you love. And that is that, yeah. in, that ears say, this is my interest and my industry is my interest. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, so in a, jo- a job is actually wearing a hat and standing in a field. Yeah. So you, you stand in a field of interest and you wear a hat called the job. And, uh, so, um, but yeah, just, um, I mean, that's how, you know, I, that's kind of where I, people say, how did you get where you got to? I had no idea. I just followed my, the subjects I loved and I ran into people who helped me. So. Well, also like if you're gravitating towards, like, obviously you spend time around your peers, your family yeah. and things and things that you're passionate about, like that's where you spend your time and your effort and your energy so like if you decide like, oh, I'm going to be an accountant because everybody in my family is an accountant, you naturally have like a network, an in, because you're already doing life in that space. So uh, I'm going to jump in because I'm immediately like I'm starting to process this for her- personally and I go, well, that's great. I want to make a career transition. I want to be, I want to do this and I've always done something else. And so now I have to start at the bottom. I have to start at the, at the beginning again. And like, I have a family and I can't afford to take an internship at the local <laughs> widget factory. Right. Um, you know, making a quarter of what I was making. Sure. So how do, how do you help people there? How do- well, uh, that's why when you develop your career research plan, uh, that you don't never use a job title, you write down your skills and your interests and your values in places that might be interesting for you to work. And people will guide you to those places because you're not going to start over. You can't just, like I say, when you change careers, you either change a hat or a, or a field, not a hat and a field at the same time. Yeah. So <laughs> you know, you got to say something that makes sense. I'm going to move from here to there, but I'm going to take a piece of that with me. 
Because careering is not reinventing, it's rearranging. Rearranging your skills in a new way rather than the old way, putting more weight on one thing than the other. And so that's kind of how uh, I was fortunate in some of my training to work, study with Richard Bowles, a person who wrote What Colors Your Parachute. I don't know if you know yeah. that book. Yeah. Uh, and so he's the one who really was a foundational guy who I called and said, Dick, I'm going to get in this work. Will you help me? He said, sure, come on down. Awesome. Now, this is the, the best-selling author in the world on career search, and I just called him. And he said, oh, yeah. And like it's like the prettiest girl in school. Nobody got it, would ask her for the prom. <laughs> so she Whoa. Hey, you were yeah. very yeah. courageous there, Michael. Well, I had that mentorship thing coming back up again. Yeah. Not only just waiting for somebody to randomly approach you on an airplane, but like going, hey, this is somebody who's influencing me through his writing, his work, his, his yeah. speaking, whatever. Like, what does it hurt to reach out and say, hey, I, I, I love what you're doing. I want more. And if someone called you and asked for your help, you would help. I'd like yeah. to be honest in podcasting. Could you tell me about it? Y'all yeah, would. we've done that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah that's true. Usually, I mean, we're, we don't want to say no. Like we don't want, we, we always want to be able to say yes, unless it's like some crazy circumstance. Oh. But yeah. 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 Uh, so, uh, and it's actually, it's the biggest compliment you know, to ask for someone for their advice. I tell yeah. people when you do this job search my way, the thing you have to do is avoid staying too long with people because they don't want you to leave because nobody ever asks for their advice. Mm-hmm. And I'll nice. say stay 30 minutes and get out of there because they'll, st- they'll stay two hours to hear you. They'll, yeah. You got to soak it all in. So I'm I'm wondering too, like you also work with not only people who have been displaced from a job or are looking for a new job, but you also work with recent college grads. And I know you have some advice for parents and grandparents that are like, we had kind of said this earlier in the conversation, but sometimes parents and grandparents that are generation or two removed from, you know, the current um, career situation, they have like well-meaning, you know, thoughts and quotes that haunt you at night, but <laughs> but they want the best for you. So what would you advise parents and grandparents to do when they see their child or their grandchild like struggling to find a new job? Yeah. Well, one of the one of the foundational premises for my book is uh, the reason people don't find work is to try to do it alone. So my yeah. book is the only book ever written, the white shirt to be done with this friend. Our, my picture when I wrote the book was a grandfather and a grandson sitting down together. One's leaving college, one's looking to retire, and they work through this process together. There are seven steps, seven questions you go through with each other. And, and, and I actually did that with my son uh, before he got his his job and he wrote a plan and he moved from manufacturing to healthcare and he wrote a plan and met with one person and it led to the, to the place wow. he is. So uh, parents don't know what to do. And that's one of the reasons I wrote the book because my mark, you know, I don't work with people right now who I don't work with people that's lost their jobs. I mainly work with executive inside, inside companies. And I don't only work with kids because the CEOs send their kids to me. And, yeah. uh, and I, I help them, but because uh, you know there's a there's a tragedy going on out there. Uh, some research I just read said that 44 percent of college grads 
in their 20s are now are working in low-end, no-like coffee shops, 40%. And it's because there's jobs out there that's because they're using their resume approach. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they, you know, they're not, they're, they're sitting there trying to, I, I talk to them in hotels all the time and restaurants and I give my book out <laughs> to them everywhere I go to say, yeah, you're here not because there's anything wrong with you. It's because you just chose the wrong strategy. And I would tell you the older people, uh, parents understand that too. They understand how people really get jobs. And if, if a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle would buy that book and just sit down for, uh, for a few hours and go through it with them, they would bond and they would actually help them think of ideas and they'd help each other. So yeah. that's, that's my solution to that with the parents. So, And that might get them out of your basement. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the main thing you have to do a job search with a friend and it, it's harder, hardest your spouse is not who I'm talking about. Yeah. You need someone else who can, you know, two are better than one. And um, also be open to it. Like, I feel like there may be some ego that needs to be checked in that too. It's like, um, oh, your grandparent is going to help you get a job. And you're like, you don't know what it takes to get a job these days. You haven't worked for 20 years. What are you talking about? Yeah. Well, uh, and it's a, um, uh, well, I don't, um, I don't think that's, I think most grandparents are working now anyway. <laughs> the ones yeah, I'm that's here. true. Um, that's you know, very that's true. It's a whole different world than it used to be about the, you know, sitting on the back porch, you know, holding court uh, yeah. in a rocking chair. I think grandparents are a lot different these days than they were before. That's why I wrote the book with that in mind, because I just, I see it happen. I see fathers and sons and daughters and mothers go through this together and bond and understand each other and understand that, you know, your mother or parent probably is the one who's going to know somebody in the company that you could go talk to that they don't even know because they're younger and the parents know it. And uh, so that conversation with with the parents or with the family is just uh, is is the it's the center of all this work. I feel like yeah. the multi generational. Um, family, like remember, like when people used to like live with their parents and their grandparents and aunts and uncles and you know all that and people just don't really do that much anymore but I feel like we've lost some of that uh depth of knowledge and you know just uh bringing people of age you know just learning and living in that community that's multi-generational I feel like there's so much that we're missing that we could be tapping into I'm working with a men's group now from our church, I have a facilitator's guide for the book and all online. It's a free thing for folks. And there's eight guys. One of them is 69. The youngest one's 21. Wow. And you should, those conversations in that room yeah. and the honor that goes when they start realizing, gosh, he really does know. And they, they learn from each other. And so, um, yeah, I think that's the, uh, I, I mean, I would love to see that happening everywhere to have those kind of groups together and going through and have, ha, of course, I have men's group because I don't usually have women in my groups because I just think me, I, I'll train a woman to do the work. Uh, but, uh, but the, uh, but just to have men who can sit and talk to each other and have a structure and at the end, they end with a plan. So guys love to have a, a product at the end of the day. So that's what's kind of cool about it. They all leave with a, a plan and a, a network of people in their groups. 
That's very cool. And I know you said in the beginning there, you said, now don't do this with your spouse. Your spouse isn't going to be your like accountability teammate in this job search thing. There are a lot of things to do together. (laughs) There are some things to try to do together. um, I know that there are some stats on like how you're you know, being unhappy in your career affects your marriage and right. and vice versa. Do you do you mind sharing that with us? Yeah, I said I done I done some research and uh, there was a study that came out that said seven out of ten adults surveyed reported that workplace stress affects their personal relationships, mainly with their spouse, as that was seventy nine percent of the men and sixty one percent of the women, and. Uh, and there's a crossover effect that when one spouse is burned out, it tends to kind of, the other one catches it. They both burn out. It's just a, yeah. a vicious kind of cycle that happens. So uh, that's why I encourage you to get someone besides your spouse to, to work with you on this. It just, uh, yeah. Well, that just speaks to the, a different role. Yeah. You, I know you had a psycho, you studied psychology when you were in college, but it just speaks to the fact that you are an integrated person. Like there's not like a part of you that goes to work and a part of you that comes home. It's like you are a whole person. And so of course, if there's problems at work, you bring it home. Or if there's problems at home, you bring it to work. Like that just makes logical sense, I guess. But I feel like we miss that somehow. And the the work affects home more than home affects work. Mm -hmm. That's what I found to be true in my experience. Yeah. Work affects home more than home. Yeah. But then once home starts, you know, then it spirals down when they kind of. Well, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, in all honesty, most of us are spending the best hours of our day. At work. Investing in our work. Yeah. Sure. And, and if, if, if we're getting chewed up and spit out there, like we don't have much to give. Sure. That's true. All right. So. Oh my gosh, this conversation has been wonderful. Okay, we went from the grave and now we are like reborn. We got hope again. We got hope again, Michael. So let us let us know how our listeners can find you and what you're up to and all your resources. Okay. Uh, uh, you can, uh, let me tell you first uh, a little bit about the white shirt. And the white shirt's a parable. It's a parable of four boys who start in Persia and wind up in Bethlehem. And they learn about how to find their career in a unique way, and I translate that. So that's it's an interesting parable. The parable's fun, cool. and uh, it's only it only takes an hour, uh, hundred and ten minutes to read. So it's you know it's not that long, so mm-hmm. not not a lot to suffer through. But this, it's a story, so it's a parable. Then you have a uh, seven steps to finding your career, and we have all those videos online on my website, and the website is whiteshirtbook.com. That's whiteshirtbook.com. My other contact is Mike at Michael Allen Tate. That's Michael A-L-A-N Alan Tate.com. And uh, if you uh, since you're a pod, if you listen to this podcast, you can go online and take a little what color is your career button quiz, and you can actually get a free workbook if uh, that Ooh. can take you through this process for anybody who goes online and does the, the little survey. Well, Michael, Alan Tate, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. It's been a pleasure. Okay, so the thing that stands out most to me is just the power of asking for advice. 
of yeah. like of of going up to somebody who could be a great mentor and just saying, "Hey, w- can like, I get your advice? Can I get your advice? Will you invest in me?" And actually, it's one of those things where it's almost like counterintuitive, but it totally makes sense. Obviously, I love when people ask me for my expertise. Don't sure. you? Yeah. And I've had mentors in my life, and and it's been uh, I'm thinking of Bob and Mike and yeah and uh, um, and a few others who have have really helped me shape my own perspectives yeah. rather than tell me what to do. Yeah. And it's, it's just such a good switch of like engage in a conversation, be yeah. curious, learn. Um, I love that instead of just try to drive out as many resumes as you can. Yeah. So what did you take away? What's, um, what stood out for you? Um, and I love the intergenerational aspect of it too Mm, he was talking about like your grandparents like get their wisdom in on it or your parents because um they're going to have a perspective that probably you don't have yeah if you're able to check your ego enough to do it and just the they probably have more connections in their time um yeah working than you do so i mean the old expression is it's not what you know it's who you know and there's this Mm, there's a huge degree of truth to that because business like marriage is all about relationship. And he did challenge me not to nag about mm-hmm. um, career questions. That was very challenging. And I'm not sure I want to talk much about that it. That was, that was, I mean, we had some ugly career transition back in like 2004, and 2005. I'm always about the nagging. So I need to check that. Yeah. You all can, right. You can make up for it. I've got some ideas. All right. All right. We want to dive into our conversation. We were going to talk about it. Everybody yeah. loves to talk about it. And now the talk about it segment of this show. Each week we challenge you to set a time with your spouse to have a conversation that matters. All right. So here is your conversation starter question. If you could change anything about your career, any aspect of it, what would it be? Ooh. I love that. That's going to spur on some good conversation. All right. Have fun with that. That's it for today's show. Yeah. So uh, come on over to the free Legendary Marriage Community on Facebook. We're talking about this and all the hot topics from the podcast and so much more. You can find us over at legendarymarriage.com slash community. You can also find this episode and the show notes at legendarymarriage.com slash 139. Wait. What? I had to do a pattern interrupt there. Oh, gosh. Every episode, we ask you to subscribe, rate, and review the show so we know how we're doing and other couples can find us. But this week, we have a special offer. If you message us a screenshot of your review, we're going to send you the first few people. I don't know how many books we have. We'll draw names at the end of the week. Oh, my gosh. We've got two signed copies of Michael's book. Oh, yes. I have read this. It is brilliant. Yeah. Um, it's a short read. It's a great read. It's a great book. And uh, it's a great prize. So take two minutes and uh, swipe down on your phone to the review five spot. Five stars. review. Five stars. All right. So now can we go back to the end of our, our show? Yes. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode <laughs> of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. This is Danielle and Justin reminding you. Hey, don't settle for an ordinary marriage. Make yours legendary. Legendary.